I'm Dwight Bingham. Welcome to the Justice for All podcast show, where we discuss all things social and criminal justice related, from the front end to the back end, and everything in between. You have a right to remain silent, because anything you say can and will be held against you. You have a right to an attorney. If you cannot afford one, one will be appointed for you. You're in the self-incrimination protection zone, where there is no cruel and unusual punishment, no illegal search and seizure. The exclusionary rule has you covered. So sit back, relax, and become sold on this week's episode. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Justice for All podcast show. I'm DeWitt Bingham, your host. Thank you for tuning in to the show that discusses all things social justice and criminal justice, where the goals are to inform you, the American citizen, of your constitutional rights, to provide educational and occupational guidance to high school and college students, and to be a voice for change. I'm excited about today's show because we have one of the most bright students in my class this semester. So without any further ado, I introduce to some and present to others, Mr. Christopher Hearn. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Christopher. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. All right. The title of today's show is Terry versus Ohio. And so those of you who listened in on last week, the episode or the title of the episode was The Exclusionary Rule. And so I think I told our guest today, Chris, I don't know what was in the water in the state of Ohio, but we had the exclusionary rule was implemented as a result of Weeks versus the United States and MAP versus Ohio. And again, MAP versus Ohio has the infamous Don King involved in that. But today's episode is entitled Terry versus Ohio. So we're going to be talking about the significance of Terry versus Ohio. And we're going to do a little bit of comparing and contrasting between Map versus Ohio and Terry versus Ohio, because they both fall up under the Fourth Amendment. And it's not a whole lot of difference, but there is a little or slight difference between Map versus Ohio and Terry versus Ohio. So let's get right into it, Chris. Segment okay. one. Segment one is for the educational and occupational guidance of high school and college students. We accomplished this by having our guests introduce themselves. So if you would, tell the audience where you were born and raised, what high school you attended, your major or planned major, why you enrolled in the course, and give us one career goal. I, uh, my name is Christopher Hearn. For the most part, I've lived and grew up in the Peoria area. First two years were in Lincoln, Illinois. I lived in Peoria until I was about eight. So I uh, started in the public school system in Peoria. Uh, my family moved to Washington uh, after that uh, to where I finished my grade school and high school in Washington, Illinois, including graduating from Washington Community High School. A couple years after that, I entered the service. So I moved around a little bit. Um, and then moved back to the Peoria area where I've lived ever since. Right now, my 
My major that I'm working on is an associate in arts, kind of a, just a general associates. And that's kind of because I've done the system backwards a little bit, where normally people go and get the degree and get the job. In the middle of pursuing my degree, I achieved the job I was working toward. Awesome. A, awesome. Uh, yeah. Chris? So I'm a, I'm a computer programmer at CEFCU, the local credit union, and enjoying every minute of it which leads me to the career goal that I've really achieved. Um, so I can't say I have a career work goal because I'm doing what I went to school for. And because I got the job before finishing the degree, the last few class requirements, I just really picked out things that seemed interesting and not really focused on my major. And the class that I'm enrolled in now, criminal justice, is in fact my last class before graduating. Wonderful, wonderful. You also, Chris, been in the military? Uh, I spent six years uh, shortly after high school um, in the United States Navy uh, working in the submarine force. So I've seen and done a lot of really interesting things. Wonderful. I've always wondered, Chris, what it was like to be a Navy person. I had a cousin that was in the Navy, and I know a couple of other younger people who been into that branch of the service. My kids can swim like a fish. <laughs> but as far as Mr. Bingham, they had to jump they had to jump in and save Mr. Bingham one time at the Crystal so, City so Pool. It wasn't inherited then. <laughs> no, it was not. And so, <laughs> man, that just sounds so adventurous to be in the military and be on a Navy ship or part of a submarine force. So thank you for your service. Thank you very much. All right. Wonderful. And so you are about to graduate and yes, sir. you are about to graduate with an associates in art. Correct. Okay. All right. Very good. And the company you work for now is CEFQ? That's correct. Okay. And what do you do at CEFQ? Uh, I'm a computer programmer. So I, uh, write and edit programs. For the most part, they create different reports. But uh, do you have uh, anything to do with cybersecurity in or part not. of it? OK. All right. So let's move on to segment two, constitutional rights. Before we ask you to tell us what your favorite constitutional right is and why, let's remind the audience that today's episode is entitled Terry versus Ohio, which just like last week's episode falls under the Fourth Amendment, search and seizure, the exclusionary rule, Weeks versus the United States and Map versus Ohio involves searching a person's home. Terry versus Ohio involves searching a person's body. Again, the Supreme Court has established rules that trial courts must follow. One of those rules is not allowing evidence obtained in violation of the Fourth Amendment. Again, in short, the Fourth Amendment states people have the right to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause. We taught our audience last week that effects include cell phones, computers, vehicles, and other movable property. The exclusionary rule in its simplest form is defined as the use of evidence obtained in violation of the Fourth Amendment. Terry versus Ohio deals with the search of a person, also known as the pat down and or stop and frisk. 
question. Chris, what is a pat down or stop and frisk in your own word? Uh, that would be when a, a police, officer, police officer feels that an individual may be carrying a weapon or potentially haven't been involved or will be involved in a crime. Uh, law allows a police officer to stop the individual and frisk. Wonderful, Chris. I couldn't have said it better myself. Okay, so if you're just walking down the city street, you are not violating the law. Can a police officer randomly stop and frisk you? No, I would say no. That is correct. Very good, Chris. Yeah. And so in summary, Terry versus Ohio, it was a landmark United States Supreme Court decision in which the court ruled that it is constitutional for American police to stop and frisk a person, as Chris stated, when a person they reasonably suspect to be armed and involved in a crime. Officer Martin McFadden spotted Terry and his buddies casing a store for a significant period of time, stopped them, frisked them, and arrested them for illegal possession of weapons. So what happened was is that Officer McFadden saw them looking in the store, peering in the store, suspicious enough that they may violate, be getting ready to violate the law. And what the Supreme Court has said, primarily for the protection of a police officer, that an individual who is suspected of violating the law can be patted down. You can't go inside their clothing, but you can pat them from the outside. Mm -hmm. and, and, and thus, we call it stop and frisk. So do you think, Chris, that that is a good thing for police officers? Uh, yes, yes, I feel that it is a good thing. Um, hopefully that the police officer has some field experience to be able to recognize whether or not the individual is either considering a crime somewhere between that and just being curious. But as a, uh, as a citizen, whether I'm outside of the building or more so maybe even if I'm inside the, the business, uh, I would definitely want the police officer to use their judgment to protect me as a, a consumer. Wonderful, Chris. Yeah. Let's throw in the mix, Chris, the Floyd versus the city of New York case. Now, for our audience, I want you to realize this is not the George Floyd case where Officer Chauvin had murdered him by putting his knee on his neck. This is a case where, dare I say, Rudy Giuliani and Michael Bloomberg in New York City had as a technique illegal searches. Chris just told you and defined stop and frisk and when it should actually be used to protect the police officers. But in the Floyd versus the city of New York case in 2013, as I mentioned, Michael Bloomberg, and Rudy Giuliani had their officers practicing illegal stop and search tactics. While the police argued that it saved lives, the Honorable Judge Shira Shindlin ruled officers were quick to deem suspicion, stopped people without an objective reason of suspected wrongdoing, and that black stops had a lesser degree of suspicion than whites. She called it, not me, the human toll of unconstitutional stop. There was a period of time where there were 4.5 million stops. 83% of the people stopped were African-American and Hispanic. 90% of the people stopped resulted in no arrest. 
Judge Shindlin ruled that African-Americans and Hispanics were viewed as, quote, unquote, the right people to stop. While high officials and commanders turned their head, officers stopped people for minor things such as having a cell phone, carrying a wallet, grabbing at their pocket, being fidgety, changing directions, walking a certain way and looking over their shoulder. As a result of the indirect racial profiling found in the Floyd case, the New York Police Department was ordered to wear body cameras to reform with public input. The district attorney was ordered to monitor it all, and Judge Shinlin ruled if the behavior did not change, disciplinary would be taken against those officers who were making the illegal Terry stops. So I know that was a lot, Chris, but I wanted to get that in so that people could understand what is a good stop and frisk. It is right to use stop and frisk, and when it is not good to use stop sure. and frisk. And so mm-hmm. now, having said all that, what is your favorite constitutional right? Uh, my favorite constitutional right is actually the Fourth Amendment, and I I chose that one just because of the protection that it offers to the general public, the right to privacy. Wonderful. And we are in agreement that stop and frisk is good for the protection of the police, and we yeah. are in agreement as well that we want to make sure that individuals, person, homes, papers, etc., are protected against illegal searches. All right. Very right. good. Yeah. Regarding the uh, Mayor Bloomberg situation, I kind of looked at it and uh-huh. I'm going to date. I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but I kind of looked at it in a similar manner. Uh, the original Willy Wonka movie. OK. Where the more well to do child had an assembly line of people opening chocolate bars for her looking for the golden ticket. And what uh, Mayor Bloomberg's force was doing, if you. If you open enough chocolate bars, you're going to find the ticket where if you frisk enough people, yeah, you'll find uh, a guilty party sooner or later. But uh, what cost? Exactly. Very good, Chris. Because after Judge Shindlin's ruling, stop and frisk incidents went from 685,000 stops in 2011 to only 10,800 stops in 2017. So you're exactly right. If you stop enough people, then you're bound to find something on somebody. But you don't want, and that's one of the things that our text, Fagan, points out and argues in our text. Should we actually forego some of our individual liberties for the protection of the public? Well, in certain cases, yes. I would say yes, but but just stopping people on the street and and frisking them, you know, just because you think that they might have a weapon, that's not a good thing. Yeah, because right now, if you walk into a sporting event, it's very common to see either someone wanding people or you walk through a metal detector. Exactly. Very good. All right. Moving on. Being a voice for change as a person who grew up in predominantly white America. What say Chris about white supremacy and Black Lives Matter? And also, I should mention that Chris was wonderful today. He came out to see Mr. Bingham speak for Black History Month at the Black Student Union event. So thank you for coming out and encouraging a brother, Chris. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. All right. So what say Chris about white supremacy and Black Lives Matter? 
sadly, I, I do feel that uh, white supremacy does still exist. Um, is it does it exist to the point that it did 20, 40, 60 years ago? Probably not, but it's probably area dependent also. Um, and Black Lives Matter, uh, I feel, is a very good movement as long as it's done in a peaceful manner. Wonderful, Chris. Absolutely wonderful. All right. I ask everybody that's on the show, Chris, what would you like to see the Biden administration accomplish? And I suppose that once Biden is out of office, that question is going to change to whoever is the president at the time. But Certainly. he's still president right now. So what is it that if it was one thing, what would it be that you would like to see his administration accomplish? Uh, a firmer stance on border security. Uh, this country was founded uh, as a melting pot. Uh, so I'm not saying that the United States should refuse citizenship to any one demographic. But at the same time, if you're going to reside in the country and take advantage of the services, then you should take the steps to become a citizen. Very well said, Chris. All right. Very good. I see that in the series of questions, you think that marijuana should be legalized. I know I was mentioned that in my talk today at Heartland. Um, I do feel it should be legalized. Um, you made up a very good point today during your, your presentation uh, where there's a huge difference between personal use and then sale for you know the amount that you would need to make a profit off of sales. And well, if you're just using it for a luxury, I don't see anything wrong with that. It's no different than regular cigarettes or tobacco or alcohol. Uh, etc. But uh, yeah, it's just the dividing line between recreational, I think that was the word I was looking for earlier, and uh, non-recreational use. Absolutely. Because if you are distributing drugs, that's totally different, right? Then, 100%. Yeah. Okay. Very good. All right. You put, uh, in regard to can our vote impact policing, corrections, and the criminal justice system, it looks like you said that you didn't think that it can, Chris. Is that what you said? Probably did, yes. I believe that the the judicial system, from its lowest level to its highest level, is, is pretty rigid um, at this point. And for one person's vote to make a difference, I, I would say it, it's difficult. I think if there was a group of people, maybe even protesting peacefully, definitely voting, you know, if there's a group of people that vote all in the same direction, uh, I think things can happen. But a single individual's vote, it would be tough for one person to make a uh, an impact. All right. Very good, Chris, because that's the reason why I asked that question. Can a group of people actually, if they vote a certain way, protest, can they change some things in the system? All right. Mm -hmm. All right. Very good. I noticed, too, Chris, that you say in regard to free community college, you say that you don't think that community college. Now, you heard Mr. Bingham talk today about loan forgiveness that the Biden administration has put forth. And you heard Mr. Bingham say it will help him because I still owe a little change uh, <laughs> regarding my daughter. But I want to hear your rationale for why you think that community college shouldn't be free. Uh, I think a lot of it uh, is based upon the uh, reward that an individual receives by getting an education at any level, whether it's grade school, high school, community college, um, a major university. 
Do I think it should be free? No. Do I think it should be? I think community college probably has a, a much better, more reasonable tuition system than uh, a larger university. I think it's more controllable. I, I view larger universities kind of like uh, health insurance, where people have paid the over amount for so long that it's just steamrolled or snowballed into uh, a debt that is insurmountable. In the short answer, do I think it should be free? No. Do I think that the school system, higher educational school system, should be reined in a bit more? Definitely. Um, and part of that answer goes to there's individuals like yourselves who provide a service and should be paid for your service while teaching people. Wonderful, Chris. Yeah, wonderful. Maybe not be totally free like high school education, but be reined in a little bit to where it's just not so out of control. Exactly. That's, that's perfect. All right. And then finally, Chris, I want to get your opinion on or your thoughts or your solutions or if you have any thoughts on how to make race relations better, because that really was the focus of, I don't know if people really grasp today whenever I was speaking and sharing with the students that my main goal is good race relations because I, where I come from, it was wonderful. And I look for the Ralph B. Tynes of the United mm -hmm. States are from Bloomington, normal area. I look for the Viola Luzos. I look for the Bill Bradleys. I look for the Dick Cook of Bloomington, normal. Share with us your thoughts on race relations and how we can make it better? Uh, I, I think the simplest thing to do for race relations is to, and I don't want to use the word force, but have people step into the shoes of the other person, literally. Um, and I'll kind of compare that to fast food. Uh, how many people work for fast food? Yeah, a lot of people do, but there are a certain percentage of the public that don't. And when they go into a fast food restaurant, they don't understand why does this take minutes or why is this not prepared or why is my food wrong? Um, it's just because, you know, people are human. But at the same time, I think there's a big uh, percentage of the general public that don't understand what goes into working at a fast food restaurant. Uh, so comparing that to race relations, I think a lot of the people uh, not necessarily are uneducated, but inexperienced perhaps into what the other races go through um, and how they uh, experience the same events as whatever race the person happened to be, the other people, you know. Absolutely, Chris. And that was really what I was trying to say today to the students when I was giving my talk is that Mr. Tynes, when he walked in that gymnasium and he said that we're going to bring Miss McCullough over, he didn't think about it. He didn't like say, this is what we might do. He didn't say, this is what we may do. He basically said, this is what we're going to do. And so mm -hmm. valuing individuals, having a heart for people, that is what it took in order for him to do something like that. He, he used the tear the Band-Aid off uh, stance where, yeah, there'll be a little pain involved, but I think in the long run, it'll hurt less if you take it off quickly. Right. Okay. All right. Very good, Chris. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. 
The exclusionary rule compared with stop and frisk, Weeks versus United States and Map versus Ohio compared with Terry versus Ohio, and how to make America a better place to live. Until next time, keep living your best life. God bless and Godspeed. Thank <laughs> you.